This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Yeah, I know. Hang on a second. I think there's someone following me. Yeah, I have my boat right here. I'll be safe. Call you back. Don't be a victim to a would-be attacker. Carry the Taser Bolt and stay safe. With one simple tap of the button, the Taser Bolt delivers a powerful, continuous 30-second volt of electricity without requiring you to hold down or touch the device, giving you time to take your attacker down and escape safely. Taser International will even replace your bolt upon sending them a copy of the police report free of charge. Get it now at pjsafety.com. While you're there, explore our family of non-lethal personal defense products to increase your defense capability and safety. Be proactive and get to pjsafety.com and choose from thousands of easy-to-use personal defense products right now. Tasers, stun guns, sprays, security alarms, and more. pjsafety.com. That website again, pjsafety.com. Your safety begins at pjsafety.com. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. The left's attempt to make Donald Trump's relationship with women from way in the past is irrelevant. Welcome to the program. Let me say that again. The left's attempt to bring up Donald Trump's past relationship with women is irrelevant. So now that Donald Trump is the likely nominee for the Republican nomination for President of the United States, the left has started their all-out assault. I don't have to defend Donald Trump and his past relationships with women. Neither do you. The left is doing what they do. You know, their big thing is this war on women. Let me get to that in a minute. But this is what they do. They start out with character assassination. They do it. Every time they did it to Mitt Romney. Remember Mitt Romney. They made an issue of his dog riding on top of the car as they went on vacation. These slimy creatures on the left spoke disparagingly about Ann Romney, who suffers from MS. And she said that she uses horse riding and equestrian sports as therapy for her MS, and they tried to make her out to be some aristocrat. This is what they do. And if you think, if anybody listening to this program thinks they wouldn't have done this to Ted Cruz, to John Kasich, to Jeb Bush, to Marco Rubio, to Scott Walker, well, then you're pretty naive. And I'm not saying they would have made an issue with past relationships with women. They were going to trash whoever the GOP puts up. They do it every time. And I'll tell you what I'm sick of. I'm sick of putting forth these candidates who we, we try to find this pure candidate. No human being is perfect. And so we sit up there and we try to put up this pure candidate. We get our asses handed to us. After the November election, personally, I find it refreshing that we have a candidate who we don't have to stand up and try to show that he is this perfect human being. The Democrats run imperfect people all the time. Look at Bill Clinton. 
a sexual predator, not just in the Oval Office, but this preceded him when he was governor of Arkansas. And he's married to a woman who's trying to cloak herself around this war on woman who stood up there and gave cover to this guy for his sexual predatory nature. She went out and trashed the reputation of woman who had been assaulted by her husband, and she demonized them, tried to make this their fault. And she's going to stand up here now and talk about women's rights? Women's rights in the workplace? This woman should be ashamed of herself, Mrs. Bill Clinton, but the problem is liberal Democrats know no shame. Their ethical elevator has no bottom floor. Here's what I want to know about a presidential candidate. A character matters, but it doesn't seem to matter with the Democrats. Look at Barack Obama. doesn't seem to matter with him. As he circumvents the Constitution, trashes American exceptionalism. That's a character issue as far as I'm concerned, but it doesn't matter to them. It's going to be refreshing to have a candidate we know is not perfect. And we don't have to defend, I don't, do not have to defend Donald Trump. And for those of you out there who do not like Donald Trump, who maybe had some other candidate in mind, and that's fine, but Trump is going to win this nomination. I'm tired of hearing about your principles. And I'll tell you why. Because part of being principled is putting the country before your personal agenda. This is not about you. It's not about what you stand for. That's okay for you. You can stand for that. But you're in a situation now where you have to make a determination, is your country more important than your personal agenda or your self-interest or your ego? Or is your ego, your self-centeredness, your personal agenda, and your self-interest more important than your country? That's a dilemma for you, and I'm not telling you what decision to make, but don't come to me with this principled stuff. Because if you're principled, then put the country and the future of it ahead of you. So let's get back to this, this Donald Trump thing. This This smear, this attack, it won't work. Why won't it work? Because Donald Trump has defied the linear approach to politics. All the stuff that that, that, uh, they tried to destroy Donald Trump about in his seeking out the Republican nomination. Remember what he said about John McCain? Remember what he said about Mexicans? Remember what he said about Muslims? None of it worked because he is an apolitical being. That's why this is working. We're tired of politics as usual. We're tired of the same old career politicians. And when you pick a politician, you are going to get political behavior. You're going to get political correctness. You're going to get someone who is deeply ingrained in the ways of Washington, inside that bubble. And those are decisions we're going to make. Those decisions, folks, have gotten us to nearly 20 
trillion dollars in debt. It has got us massive regulation. It has got us runaway spending. That's what the linear approach to politics has taken us. So when I hear this thing that, well, Trump's not worthy to be president, (laughs) neither has anybody else been, or we wouldn't be in the straits that we're in today. So this isn't going to work, just like none of the other stuff worked against Donald Trump. And don't ask me why, but he's been able to defy the linear nature of politics. All the pundits, well, this is the way it has to be, and here's what you have to do, and you got to do this, 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 and you must kiss our ring, and you must kiss the media's ring if you're going to be... Trump says, no, I don't. And I find that refreshing. That's why I said, I don't have to defend Donald Trump. But I like the disruption that he has brought to this whole electoral politics thing at the national level. We need a shakeup in Washington. The old ways, the status quo has not worked. And until these elites including these strategists for Mrs. Bill Clinton who think that, you know, they'll, they'll just try to, to, to label and Everybody has tried that. This too shall pass. It won't work. I want to know about Trump's ability to fix this economy, to protect us at home and abroad, to honor our sovereignty by sealing our border, I want to know about his ability or his desire to once again get to military superiority. Stick to the rule of law. Those are the things that matter. That's why I said this other stuff about what he told some woman, it is irrelevant. And I'll keep saying that. And someone on the left will try to ensnare me in that and and, and say it doesn't matter that Trump... Go ahead. That won't work either. Coming up, we're going to talk about Police Week. I was in Washington, D.C. for National Police Week, and I I want to share some things with you on that. David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Everybody has what they like. Some people like thinner, some people like fatter. Yeah, and I've dated heftier girls, too. No, but here's the problem. Why can't we joke about that stuff? First of all, the heart wants what the heart wants, right? Some people like many different types. Some like blondes, brunettes, black, white, whatever. You can't chastise somebody to go, listen, I'm not attracted to fat. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday mornings, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Blaze Radio Network On Demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. It was National Police Week this past week. May 15th is the day that we honor those law enforcement officers killed in the line of duty all across the country. But they have a series of events out in Washington, D.C. during Police Week. And I've been there now three straight years to be with my colleagues, the cops on the front lines and their supporters, their families. I was a keynote speaker. I was asked to be a keynote speaker at the um, Concerns of Police Survivors Luncheon. Over 800 people in attendance, full house. And I'll tell you, you talk about a sobering 
experience for me to share some conversation, some fellowship with surviving family members. I had one mom come up to me. Her son, 24 years old, was killed last year. Her only son, her only child. That was her only child taken from her in the line of duty. I met Dan Goforth's wife, Deputy Goforth. He was the one who was killed in a high-profile incident. He was filling up his cruiser at a gas station. Some creep came up, shot him in the back as he pumped gas into his cruiser. And then as he fell to the ground, this slime ball stood over him and emptied the magazine into Deputy Goforth, killing him. And I met her, and she just thanked me for standing up for law enforcement. And I met friends of Officer Carrie Orozco from the Omaha Police Department, another high-profile case. She was the officer who had just delivered her first child prematurely. So the child, the, the infant, had to stay in the hospital. She decided to return to work and wait to start maternity leave when the baby came home. And she was killed in the line of duty. She never got to welcome her firstborn home. So now this infant will grow up never knowing their mother. That's why I said this was sobering. And I talked to parents and spouses and colleagues. I had cops come up and say, my partner was killed in the line of duty. And it's not necessarily last year. There were 125 new names uh, I take that back. 20, 125 that were killed in the line of duty last year, but there were only over, over 200 names added to the wall. And, and, and how that happens is most agencies go back to make sure they didn't miss anybody. You know, this was the 25th anniversary. And so before this, there may have been some officers killed in the line of duty back 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago that were missed. And so when those new ones come to light, there's a committee that uh, does a review. And if they feel this one should go on the wall, it, it is. And that's how it ends up being over 200. But that's who I shared the week with. And I was also a keynote speaker at the Emerald Society, the bagpipe um, organization, at the memorial site itself. And I'm telling you, when, when, you, when, you, when you share this experience with people, and I know people who are on that wall, Colleagues of mine, people from not only the Milwaukee County Sheriff's Office, but from the Milwaukee Police Department, where I spent my first 24 years. And I think of people like Greg Mahayeski, whose mother, I'm sorry, his wife was pregnant with their first child when he was killed in the line of duty. Twins. Think about this. Sobering, you're damn right. And I had cops from all across this nation come up to me and thank me. And I reminded people in both my speeches, this isn't about me. This is about defending this profession from the constant attacks from cop haters, from politicians who are trying to score some cheap political points at the expense of our law enforcement officers who are killed serving their community. I'm always reminded of the Bible passage, greater love hath no man that he would lay down his life for his friends. That's what those officers exemplified. 
And every time I go to the memorial, it's at Judiciary Square. I stand there every time I go to Washington, D.C., and, and, and that's outside of police week. So it's a little more, it's a little quieter. And I just stand there and I look at the wall. I look at the names. Most of the names, of course, I, I don't know them, but I know they wore the uniform of their community. And I say to myself, there, but for the grace of God, go I. That I have been blessed up until now, and I still go out on the street to not end up on a memorial wall, not having been killed in the line of duty. And when I talk to a spouse, and when I talk to a spouse at that luncheon, and and they told me they, they lost their husband, they lost their wife, killed in the line of duty, I look at them and I say to myself, there but for the grace of I goes my wife. When I look at and listen to a mom and dad who came up to me and said, we lost our son, he was killed in the line of duty, I look at them and I silently say, there but for the grace of God go my mom and dad. When I have somebody come up to me and say, you know, my brother or my sister was killed in the line of duty, I look at them and I silently say to myself, there but for the grace of God go my sibling." And the same with colleagues, with partners. I say, there before the grace of God go, me not having lost my partner, my direct partner, killed in a line of duty. This week, like every week, because I live this every day now, this, this, this mission to defend this profession puts me back in touch with the people who really matter, the people who are still suffering, And that's why I am as indignant as I am when politicians and other subversive groups like this slime Black Lives Matter attack our nation's law enforcement officers. You may have heard of Dartmouth College this week. The Young Republican group from Dartmouth College Erected a memorial for law enforcement officers week. Law enforcement officers killed in the line of duty. They went on and got the permission. You know, you got to fill out the forms. They did everything the right way. And they erected a memorial. Black Lives Matter came after them and destroyed the memorial and put up signs to themselves, Black Lives Matter. And then went on social media and took credit for it, bragging. We destroyed that memorial. What kind of subhuman creature would desecrate a memorial of any kind? Let's send him out to going into a cemetery and turning over great headstones or vandalizing headstones. There's certain things in this country that we just won't put up with. It'd be like going to the mall in Washington, D.C. and desecrating the Vietnam Veterans Memorial or the World War II Veterans Memorial. We don't put up with that. This is a slimy group of people. And I said something some time ago that I took a lot of flack for from the left. I don't care about that. I care about the people who are still suffering, having lost a loved one, killed in the line of duty. And I said Black Lives Matter was a subversive group of subhuman creeps that need to be exterminated from our society. And I meant it. That was not hyperbole. I was not misquoted. And I meant exactly what I said. Because they don't know. They weren't there. We owe it 
to the American law enforcement officer to honor those that continue to serve and to honor those that have gone before us killed in the line of duty. You know, we have a saying we'll never forget. And we don't and we won't forget. Next, we're going to talk about this proposal by Congresswoman Gwen Moore from Wisconsin. This this idiotic, moronic proposal to the uh, sentencing reform bill. David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. I think it is false. I think it is a sucker play. I think it has been leaked. I think it is a feint by the Trump campaign to build belief that this here is what we're going to do to you. And so they'll build up and prepare for that, and then they will attack them somewhere else, and that somewhere else will be far more vulnerable. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. To David Clark, the People's Sheriff. So, Congresswoman Gwen Moore makes this proposal to this inane idea of this sentencing reform bill sweeping through Congress, this criminal justice reform bill that I was out in uh, Washington, D.C. last week with Senator Jeff Sessions and others uh, trying to throw sand in the gears of this movement to uh, slow it down, knock it down, to end it not have it come for a vote on the floor of either the House or the Senate. It's a very criminal-friendly bill. And the thing that's striking, you've heard me talk about this this bill on this program, is the number of GOP that have gotten in bed with soft-on-crime, criminal, criminal-coddling Democrats in support of this. And I told you what their motivation was. They're trying to flaunt their racial sensitivity so they can go back to their home state this summer as they campaign, those that are up for re-election, and, and, and try to show you know, uh, yeah, we're, we're sensitive to the plight of black people. And actually, this bill is going to hurt and get killed unnecessarily. Good law-abiding black people living in these urban ghettos in the United States of America. So, during police week, I mean, the, 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 the audacity of the left just, just it never stops amazing me. Congresswoman Gwen Moore. She's from Wisconsin. As a matter of fact, she is in my congressional district. So she's my congresswoman. The woman is a tree stump. The woman is one of the most irrelevant members of Congress. She gets nothing done. She, she, she's a part of no large policy discussions in terms of the, the, the shape of the country. She's a race baiter, and she'll carry the ball for the left on uh, playing the race card. So she comes up with this idea. She proposes that police get de-escalation training and that we create a national use of force standard with local law enforcement. So here's from the story in the Washington Post by Wesley Lowry. Legislation set to be introduced to Congress on Thursday would create a national New national standard for when police officers can use deadly force and require police academies to teach officer de-escalation techniques. And you wonder why I say that it is the objective of Barack Obama, Attorney General Loretta Lynch, her predecessor Eric Holder, and their henchmen 
at the United States Department of Justice Civil Rights Division, it is their objective to federalize local law enforcement. It, it, it says it right here. To create a new national standard for when police officers can use deadly force and require police academies to teach officer de-escalation techniques and that they all get the same training, the one size fits all. You cannot do that. Every area is different. Every police department in America has a use of force standard. Every state requires it. Within every state, it's a little different because a one-size-fits-all just doesn't work for all states. But it's guided by the Constitution and Supreme Court decisions on when and how we can use force. It has to be reasonable. So she comes up with this bill authored by Representative Gwen Moore, the bill called the Preventing Tragedies Between Police and Communities Act of 2016. She's been one of the most outspoken members of Congress in calling for federal action to curb the number of police killings. This is during police week, folks. So it says that this legislation is the latest in a flurry of measures introduced in the 21 months since the fatal shooting of Michael Brown and police in Ferguson, Missouri, which prompted protests and riots and sparked a national examination of police use of force, which we did not need, by the way. We examine every police use of force already. This became a political construct to drive turnout and a voter registration drive for black votes by the Democrats. That's what this was. So I'm reading this, and she says, I do expect some pushback from law enforcement officials. And then you got this 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 useless guy from the police executive research forum, Chuck Wexler, who kind of goes along with it. You know, improvements in training, which are the focus of this bill, are a key element of what we're working on. He shouldn't be working on his crap. It's not police friendly. And so I responded to this. And trust me, you won't see this in the mainstream media because they won't like the tone of it. But I'm going to read it to you. I just returned from police week in our nation's capital. Over 200 names of police officers killed in the line of duty, including 125 last year, were added to the wall. The total number of officers killed now exceeds 20,000. How insensitive of Congresswoman Moore to focus on what police officers should be doing as we honor those murdered. Perhaps some of those officers were trying to de-escalate before being killed. This is yet another example that the war on police continues and that political hacks like Congresswoman Moore continually choose to stand on the side of the criminal element and not the police. I was the keynote speaker this year at the annual Cops Luncheon during Police Week. That's the concern of police survivors. The acronym is COPS. I met with surviving family members still processing through the pain, the grief, the suffering of those who shared their stories with me. It was sobering. Congresswoman Moore was not in attendance that afternoon, nor was she at any of the other events memorializing slain officers. Maybe she would have been, maybe had she had been, she would have gotten just a glimpse of what these survivors survivors are struggling with 
long after they bury their loved ones. Her absence says all you need to know about the utter contempt that Congresswoman Moore feels toward the American law enforcement officer. I think of Congresswoman Moore when I heard author and scholar Thomas Sowell say that for people who have never done this job, to second-guess an officer's use of force brought on by the actions of the perpetrator who poses a threat and a danger not only to the officer but to themselves, leaving the officer with no other option than forced to defend his life, is one of the great self-indulgences of our time. We are a nation of laws. Congresswoman Moore should bring herself up to speed on the law before opening her mouth. The rule of law allows an officer to use force not equal to the threat, as she thinks. It allows an officer to use reasonable force to overcome the threat. This is not a 50-50 proposition. Her suggestion would get many more officers' names added to the memorial wall in Washington, D.C. I hope that the supporters of this jailbreak legislation add her amendment. It would cause every GOP member of Congress to run like their hair was on fire and back out of supporting this criminally, criminal-friendly legislation. We do not need federal involvement in local policing. It is a state's rights issue. I will reject any federal attempt to standardize local policing. A one-size-fits-all approach will not work. I have a better suggestion. Ms. Moore should provide money for training for young black males on how to respect the authority of the police and how to comply with their lawful commands. This is usually a role left to fathers, but effective fatherhood and other positive role modeling is in short supply among the underclass in the ghetto. My advice to Congresswoman Moore is to focus on the pathologies that lead to so much police intervention in the American ghetto, including fatherless children, generational poverty, school failure, massive unemployment, and other questionable lifestyle choices, all the result of failed liberal policy. When she figures this out, there will be less need for the police in the black community, fewer police interactions, and fewer tragedies that result from those interactions. Congresswoman Moore. Coming up, we're going to talk about something that uh, FBI Director James Comey said last week. I have some thoughts on that. You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. All right, it's much closer to rule by a mob or oclocracy, borrowed from ancient Greece. Rule by the mob. And Sanders, as much as he is upfront about this, I think people have started to see that there's a little bit of a mob rule mentality that has started to filter into the conversation. Buck Sexton, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. In the final segment here, we're going to continue with this police crime politics theme. FBI Director James Comey issued a statement last week where he said he's calling this now the viral video effect that he is attributing to the increase in crime and homicides in, in many urban centers in the United States. 
And I, I, first of all, you've heard me say I have a lot of respect for FBI Director James Comey. He has great integrity. He kind of gets it. But I think he's overthinking this. You know, he said, like I said, cops are afraid to do the job because the viral video that it might lead to somebody videotaping something and it goes viral. And I think he and many others are really overthinking this thing. And like I said, I just spent a week with tens of thousands of law enforcement officers from all across this nation. And I got to talk to officers from many different agencies, different sizes, different locations throughout the United States. And I hear them. I get cops. I understand cops. I'm a cop at heart. Cops aren't afraid of any viral video effect. That's not it at all. I, I just think that Director Comey misses the misses the point here. I, I unintentionally, but he misses the point. That's why I think it's it's best to say that they overthink this thing. This Ferguson effect. Ever since the Rodney King episode, we've been dealing with. Cops being videotaped. This isn't anything new. I mean, they say the Ferguson effect. Ferguson wasn't on video. The Darren Wilson encounter with criminal Mike Brown was not on any video. So I don't know what they mean by this Ferguson effect or this viral video effect. I kind of get what they're getting at, but that's why I said they're overthinking this thing. First of all, I bristle at the thought that cops are afraid to do their job. We had 125 law enforcement officers killed in the line of duty in 2015 that were out there not afraid to do their job to the point that they sacrificed their life. Now, you've heard me talk about this on this program. We don't have as much self-initiated policing going on and you know what that is, right? I mean, cops have to respond to 911 calls. They're obligated to do that. And in their spare time, when they're on patrol, visible patrol in high crime areas, they sniff stuff out. They don't have to do this. This is what we want. Call self-initiated policing. No one sent them to a call. And they see a car, or they see a group of individuals, uh, of people, I should say, or, or maybe you're an individual in a high crime area, based on their experience, based on forming reasonable suspicion under the law, they go and they make a stop. It's called a field interview stop, or a traffic stop. They pull that car over for a violation of the law. This is not a hunch. We cannot do this on a hunch. It's called reasonable suspicion. And that reasonable reasonable suspicion is defined. It's that which would make a reasonable law enforcement officer determine that criminal activity may be afoot. Maybe. And we get to use our observation. We get to use police reports. 
Let's say you're working in an area where there's a lot of street robberies. And you know the MO of the perpetrator. And you know a description, a generic, these are generic descriptions, right? Black male, Hispanic male, 5'8", 120 pounds, wearing dark clothing. Or this crew is always seen wearing, uh, you know, X whatever. They get to use that. It doesn't have to exactly match. But if if the generic description says black male, why would you stop white males if you're looking for this robbery crew? Or if it says the the perpetrator is six foot five, that's pretty tall. Why would you stop males who are five foot just to even the score so that you don't get accused of profile? No, you get to use that. So, you know, if it says five foot eight and and the person happens to be five foot ten, that's close. But we're not seeing the self-initiating, uh, as much self-initiated policing because the cops don't feel that this political class has, our, has their backs. They're not obligated to do self-initiated policing. That's not afraid to do their job. They're only going to do what's required. That's human nature. You have a law enforcement officer that maybe one day wants to see his kid graduate from college. Maybe he wants to see his kids born, like Officer Mahayeski that I talked about earlier. Or Officer Kerry Orozco, who never got to saw their never got to see their child come home. Their, their newborn infant. Maybe they want to walk their daughter down the aisle someday. Well, you have to stay alive to do that, and you have to make sure you maintain your career. And they're not going to sacrifice that. Because of some political war that's going on against your community's finest. This is not going to sacrifice. It's not afraid to do your job. You know, we used to have to only worry about the criminal element. We could always keep them in front of us. Here's what's happening with cops. And here's where I think Director Comey misses the mark a little bit. Just a little bit. Cops are not afraid to do their job. What cops are apprehensive about is this ongoing witch hunt by this cop-hating United States Department of Justice, led by a straight-up cop-hater, Barack Obama, a race-obsessed Attorney General, Loretta Lynch, and her predecessor, Eric Holder, and their henchmen in the Civil Rights Division who lay in wait like some alligator in a swamp just looking for some law enforcement officer to snag for some minor transgression or something that goes tragically wrong like in Ferguson, Missouri. Darren Wilson didn't do anything wrong. He still lost his job. He lost his career. His life was turned upside down for doing his job. It was the political class that lynched Darren Wilson wasn't the job. And so my suggestion to Director Comey, if you really want to help, and I know he does, I like the guy. But if he really wants to help, he should just look down the hallway at the United States Department of Justice. The FBI comes under that umbrella. They're in different buildings in Washington, D.C. But he should go see Attorney General Lynch and say, look, 
get your jackbooted goons from the Civil Rights Division to get their boot off the neck of the American police officers, they can go back to work. We used to be seen as allies of the Department of Justice in pursuit of justice in the criminal element and crime. But now, this Barack Obama-led USDOJ sees the cops as the bad guys and the crooks and the criminals are now victims. That's how upside down this is. Cops are not afraid to do their job. They're afraid of the cop-hating United States Department of Justice. That's all we have time for today. Follow me during the week on Twitter, at Sheriff Clark, and that's Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E, and at thepeoplesheriff.com. God bless you. The Blaze Radio Network, on demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Find more on demand at theblaze.com slash radio.